of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Uh, don't ask me that. Okay. After this week of Blue Jays baseball. How are you, Jacob? I was going to say the same thing. You know, they have made me very sad. I'll put it that way. It's been a rough week to be a Blue Jay fan. It's been five straight losses as we record this Saturday afternoon. Um, they're maybe going to get a six tonight. You will know by the time you're listening to this episode. And a lot of these games have not been close. They were swept by the New York Yankees, which a lot of us thought was, you know, a pivotal series this season. And, you know, they lose 20 to six. Was it 13 to two? Another game? I'm losing track of all the runs that were scored because it was kind of insane and frankly horrible to watch. So, I mean, that. That's the main thing that we want to talk about today. The Blue Jays seem to be imploding right before our eyes. And, you know, they're fighting for a postseason spot. They have a huge lead in terms of postseason, um, their postseason spot. They have a really good magic number. Their magic number is down all the way to six. But at the same time, they are collapsing at the worst possible time. It has been (laughs) an understatement would be it's been horrible. Okay, let's just put it at that. Um. The very first time this season where they were blown out, it was to the Mets. Um, the last time we recorded, we spoke about it, and pretty much all of us were on the same page of you know just kind of forgetting about it and uh, moving on. And I think that was the uh, the mindset for all of us because that was the again that was the first time this season where they lost that badly of a game. And then after that, they ended up winning the rest of the two games against the Mets, so everything looked great. Uh, they finished their homestand, and then you know first time going to New York. And then, yeah, um, they lost by <laughs> game one was 20 to six for the Yankees. Game two was 13 to two. Game three was 10 to seven. So a late surge, but before in the in game three, there was a late surge by the Jays. Uh, but before that, it was also a blowout. So they kind of made it close near the end. But what a horrible week of pretty much just everything going wrong. Not only, I get, you know, the offense wasn't completely there, but you can't, you know, blame all of it on them. Uh, the pitching, you know, for a team that had the best bullpen in baseball and had you know, quality starts, you you know, usually, um, it went horrible. And, um, yeah, it was probably the worst we've seen them play all season in a span of those three games. And then after that, the uh, after the Yankee series, you know, um, kind of think everyone was hoping to turn the page. And then it started, we started a doubleheader Friday, or the Jays did against the Phillies, and it didn't go much better either. They dropped two, both games of the doubleheader. The first game, they lost 7 nothing. And then I guess maybe if you want more optimism from the second game, they did score seven runs. They, they did lose 8-7. Uh, they lost the game late. They were actually winning at one point by three runs. The Phillies tied it with a three-run home run. And then they uh, the Jays ended up losing the lead near the end of the game. So I guess that would be the last time or the last game they played. I guess there was some optimism, but overall, um, not a very good week for the Jays. And, you know, going into this week, they were better than the Yankees, and they were ahead of the Yankees in the American League East. They were actually second place, which means they were the fourth seed, I believe, in all of the American League. And uh, now, all of a sudden, they are now 
six, uh, four games behind the Yankees for second place. And as you think about it now, it looks more and more likely that the Jays, if they get in, which is almost likely still at this point, they will be getting in as that last wildcard team, which would be the eighth seed. And as of now, they would currently match up with the Tampa Bay Rays, the team who they're familiar with. But at the end of the day, the Jays are still in this. Um, they're still in the playoff spot by multiple games. Uh, the, the next team behind them would be the Seattle Mariners and um, the LA Angels, uh, who are all tied, or at least in the same, uh, have the same record. But you can even throw Baltimore and Detroit in there. But the point is, the Jays are four games into a playoff spot. And, um, you know, things are still looking okay. But uh, not a very good week where, you know, things have completely... I would say, you know, t- took a nosedive and, um, you know, for the Jays, for us and for the fans, you know, just all of a sudden, a lot of us, you know, probably you guys can agree. A lot of us have begun to lose some confidence in this team. You know, how legit are they? And, um, you know, you, you can't go into a, you can't go into a playoff round or especially a wild card series in this case, which would be new to all of us this year. But anyways, you're going to a wild card series, uh, giving up 20 runs a game, giving up touchdowns. That's literally what the Jays have been giving up. And, um, you know, it's it's completely unwatchable. It's frustrating. And you hope this is something that they can clean up. With, and they have a couple weeks left to go still. I think less than actually, it might be one week, sorry, just about 10 days or seven days now. One more week to kind of clean things up and make sure they don't lose that eighth seed and uh, get ready for the postseason, whoever they end up playing. But uh, this week was definitely the worst week of the season by far. In terms of disappointments, in terms of runs, they've been outscored by, I think they've, they've allowed almost 60 runs this week alone. And um, yeah, n- not very good at all. And the only good thing that I guess you can think about is that the Jays did get a few pieces back, which we, which would have been Bo Bichette and um, Teoscar Hernandez, who are back and trying to help the team. Um, but other than that, uh, the Jays have to fix this fast. And, um, you know, they're obviously they're lucky that they're still in a playoff spot by four games, but they need to fix this quick and fast as they head into um, a potential wildcard series round. Honestly, I I agree with you. This has just been a, a terrible week, and it was interesting. I looked, we last recorded on Saturday the 12th, which they won that game th- that day, but since then, they have only won once, including the, the sweep to the Yankees and then the doubleheader, uh, against the Phillies, and it's just, I, I I don't even know what just happened there. It was it was it was awful. That's I mean that's really all we can say. The I think the one of the sad things is that you know as a as a fan of multiple teams in Toronto, being I also watched the Leafs and the and the Raptors. Once they're both out of the playoffs, uh, I spent all my time watching the Blue Jays, and it's just to see. I don't even know if I can call that baseball, but to see whatever they were doing on that field was absolutely brutal. And unfortunately, I've been thinking about this a little bit as the seasons progress. And I thought, well, you know, the overuse of the bullpen and all these weird managerial decisions, I've thought of about, you know, is this ever going to catch up to the Blue Jays? And I think, you know what, it might have. Because the injuries to the pitchers, the starting pitchers, that is, has resulted in a lot of bullpen days, a lot of openers uh, acquiring some starters. However, they haven't been the greatest for them, especially this week. This week was brutal. And even last week, I mentioned how the, the that, that turn through the rotation wasn't even very good. But, you know, we're seeing the errors are starting to catch up for them. They can't catch up to them. They can't just score, you know, five, six runs and make up for 
not being able to run on the bases or not being able to throw a ball. And it's just, I, I wrote in my notes, this team is absolute trash. And I think that's, I still stand with that. Uh, I, I mean, I probably should have said a little th- something a little more professional, but <laughs> they're, they're, they're trash. That's really all I can say. And it's, I like you. You mentioned Bryson how this going into this Yankee series, this was a pivotal series. At the beginning, the Blue Jays had a half a game lead, and they go out and allow twenty runs. And I, I think that you know that's going to happen. That happens in baseball every once in a while. Your team just gets destroyed. Uh, we, we saw it where I believe it was Atlanta scored twenty nine runs. You know, it just happens. But to have that happen within a week of giving up eighteen to the Mets, especially being another New York team, I mean. Like, how, how does that happen? I, I don't understand how people that are being paid to play baseball do just do that. It was awful. Uh, now they are, like you said, they're below the Yankees in the standings. Now in the eighth seed, which, you know, hope, I mean, it looks like they still will make the playoffs, which, I mean, is a good thing. But is it really a good thing if they're just going to get destroyed for two games and then go back to Toronto? Not really, uh, but it's just, it's very concerning to me what I'm seeing. And one of the things, I wanted to bring this up actually, the thing that's made me really, really mad after watching those Yankee games is the fact that Charlie Montoyo just seemed like he was okay with the losses. In his post-game press conferences, uh, I'll paraphrase, I, I don't have the exact quote, but he said basically, oh, it's okay, we've been a really good team for a long time now, so it's okay, and He's talking about the fact that they won uh, a bunch of straight series. I don't remember the thing off the top of my head, but he said, oh, we've been one of the best teams since mid-August. Uh, like, what? Like, how How do you get absolute... How do you allow 10 runs, 10 or more runs, really, in three straight games and say, yeah, it's okay? Because we've been literally the, just... the this is fine meme. He said, we're fine. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And... One thing, I mean, funny enough, the uh, w- one thing that happened this week, also with the uh, the Boston Celtics, if you guys don't know, the Celtics and the Heat lost two games in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, in the NBA bubble, and there were reports that uh, Marcus Smart and I think it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, one of those guys, were getting into altercations. They had to be separated because there was swearing and throwing uh, of things that could be heard outside the outside of their locker room, and I mean, maybe that's a little excessive but to do that, but it shows that they're mad that they're playing bad, or not playing well, and to see that the Blue Jays are doing literally the exact opposite, saying it's okay, it's just, it makes me, I don't even, it makes me ridiculously mad, to, because I don't know how you don't go in that locker room and just destroy, not physically, but I don't know how you don't swear your head off or do something now obviously you know I, I don't think the media would have heard about that but how does somebody not get ridiculously angry at somebody in that locker room because they just got flat out embarrassed for three straight games against the Yankees they got destroyed in game one against the Phillies and then even that they they blew a lead to the Phillies in game two and I don't I don't know how you guys actually go into your your hotel room just go to sleep that night. I would be up all night. I would, I would be, I'd be mad. And I, I just, I don't know how the, this team has been so bad and they just don't seem to care. I'm not really upset about that. I don't think, 
I mean, like, no matter what they're saying, I think Charlie Montoyo is just, you know, he's kind of told what to say by the PR department for the Blue Jays. Like, I I don't really read in much into what he's saying, except for when he says things like, it's a moral victory, which annoys me to no end, and I think we've seen him kind of roll back that type of language. Um, it's not his words or the words or, or actions of the Blue Jays, it's the decisions that they've been making. Um, Lourdes Goriel Jr. is the first one that comes to mind, and this one really, really upset me this past week. He was batting 7th, you know, 8th, bottom of the order the entire week. For some reason, right after being named Player of the Week in the American League. You know, he's been amazing. He's had, I think, three home runs in his last four days for the Blue Jays, and yet they're still batting him 7th. I, I don't understand that. And in the situation of the game, um, if I can find it here, on uh, the, the last game of the series against the Yankees, Lourdes Goriel Jr. hitting seventh. There's a situation that came up with Randall Grishik hitting third that could have changed the course of the game. But of course, Randall Grishik gets out. Lourdes Goriel Jr. was amazing in his production in that game. So I don't understand, you know, the the machine or the computer that's plopping out these versions of the lineup that has, you know, a consistent guy who's going to make outs day in and day out at the third spot, whether it's Travis Shaw, whether it's Randall Grishik, whether it's even Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who's taking some cuts in the third spot in the lineup, instead of the guys in the lineup who are the best. You know, it should be, in my opinion, Biggio, then Bichette. Those two are kind of interchangeable in my mind. And then third, Hernandez. Guriel Jr., um, even even a guy like Joe Panic would be better because he's been hitting really well lately. I don't understand why the Blue Jays seem intent on putting the worst hitter in their lineup at the third spot and shifting all these great bats farther down. It just does not make sense to me, um, and I don't understand why they're making these decisions. I don't know who is making these decisions. I don't think it's Charlie Montoyo. I think it's the high-performance department. But, yeah, that's really grating on me. It's the decisions that they're making, even though they know this is a fact, even though they know Lourdes Goriel Jr. is really well right now, is hitting really well right now, even though they know Teoscar Hernandez is a far better hitter than Randall Grishik or Travis Shaw. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, yeah, like, this isn't going to cost the Blue Jays anything. You know, the closest team to their, them right now is the Seattle Mariners. And they're, I think, 22-30 and 30 or 23-30, and 30, and they've lost four in a row. Um, so they don't really have competition in terms of their postseason spot. But, man, it is frustrating to watch this team day in and day out make the same stupid mistakes like removing a pitcher after five innings, although that, uh, at least the past week, hasn't been a problem because all the pitchers deserve to be taken out. Um, but yeah, I, it's the decisions being made, not so much the words that are being said to the media. That's really pissing me off this week. I think one of the, uh, sorry, one of the problems with the Guriel situation is the fact that I, I just don't know who makes, like you said, Mark, who on, who in their right mind puts your best hitter at seventh in the order? Because, you know, even if you want to play devil's advocate you could say well he's charlie montoya's expecting these guys to get on base for him to hit but even then you put him fourth or fifth you don't put him seventh because like that just it 
I don't know how they make that decision. You put your, you know, your fastest, your good on base guys uh, at the top of the order. You put your power hitters in the middle. So then, you know, Biggio Bichette hit a single walk. You know, they get on base. Then Guriel and Hernandez drive them in with a home home run. I I just, I how do you put how do you put your best hitter at seventh? It's just, it doesn't make sense even if you're trying to play devil's advocate because there's just a more logical spot to put them and they're just not doing that and it just it's it's weird it's frustrating yeah um, i mean to be fair about that um like looking at their lineup this week only uh batting seventh once but even if um he wasn't batting seventh usually he is slotted in the sixth spot uh based on what i'm seeing um it's usually the sixth spot but the um the last game yesterday or even the past two games he's been hitting or game one of yesterday's doubleheader he he hit third and um, game two of yesterday's doubleheader. So sorry, game one was third and then game two was fourth. So it's not like to be, it's not like he's consistently down in the lineup, but you know, you definitely wonder in that situation or that one time this week in New York, why he was hitting seventh and um, you know, specifically as well, why is Travis Shaw hitting above him in the lineup to begin with? You can even make the argument of why is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting above him in the lineup. So you know, you, you know, you don't, you maybe want to consider Randall Gritchick as well. He's kind of cooled off this, this past month. But other than that, there are a few names in that, you know, the order where it's a little bit questionable of why he is below these certain amount of players. But uh, it's, it's tough to say, but you know, there was one, one of the reasons why, um, you know, somebody like Travis shot too, there was one situation that I think he was hitting like third or something like that. And um, you know, one of the reasons why I, I think is, you know, they're trying to split up the lefties and righties in the order. They're trying to, you know, make it less consistent of, you know, consecutive righties, if that makes sense. They're trying to have the odd guy come in in that one situation or one at-bat where you're splitting it up from the rest. And in that case, it's Travis Shaw. He's been that guy a few times this year where he's kind of hit high in the order. And then after that, you know, because he is a lefty, following that, there's a bunch of righties um, that come into the uh, or come into the lineup. But, you know, the, the managerial decisions, too, it's just we, we've discussed this all year. With, for Charlie Montoyo, he has taken a lot of he's taken a lot of uh, criticism from all of us included. We've we've talked about it so many times with Charlie Montoyo and, you know, how I've come to the conclusion. And we have, too, that sometimes he's just simply overthinking it or sometimes he's just he sees the um, he just sees the computer and he doesn't listen to anybody else. He doesn't know other aspect of any other opinion he's fixed on the computer you know i guess that you can say obsessed with the computer uh just because what he sees is pretty much what he follows but at the end of the day you know we we all know it is the manager that gives the final go ahead and he is the one that fills in the lineup card so i do think he needs to have a little bit more blame for that rather than just the computer because even if you don't agree with the computer um he still follows through with it it's not like he changes his mind he's pretty set on being obsessed with the his computer in terms of his analytics of, you know, who is, you know, who, you know, better positions in the lineup. In this, in this case, what we've talked about this year, the bullpen management, taking, um, taking a player or pitcher out for the third time through the order. And, um, you know, through uh, this year with Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I'm just looking at his splits now. Um, he has hit third, I would say probably above fifth. The only time he's, he's hit fourth this year three times. Uh, so that's too small of a sample size to look at. He's let off twice, and then he's batted third the most, which would be 11 times. And uh, through that, you know, he he had what about 40 at-bats from there. But unfortunately, you still 
can argue that the sample size is too small to judge just because his numbers are lower at the, the top of the lineup. But then when you look at when he where he usually hits or just fifth or sixth, um, his numbers are through the roof, especially at six. He has an OPS over a thousand. And then get, you know, I know uh, Mark too. I don't even know if you really remember this, but there's been times where he's coming. Actually, no, never mind. There's been times where he's coming in the game where he's hit ninth, but it's not like he started there. So, but anyways, uh, from what you guys were criticizing for, he's actually hit seventh this year five times. And um, that's more than it. He's hit four. And that's more than he's let off. So there's been more times that earlier this year, probably that we didn't even really notice where he's hit seventh. So there you go. And with Lourdes Gurriel, it's just multiple times this year where you see the lineup sometimes and you question, why is this happening? Why is, you know, I've already argued, I've already called or questioned many times why Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being treated like a 40-year-old veteran who can't get by in the major leagues. You know, he's he's DHing every other day. The, the guy's like almost 20 or 19 or 20 years old. And I've said that so many times. I just don't understand that. I know he is he's overweight, but it's just, it's amazing to me how he's treated like a veteran who's just injured and load management. And then you see somebody like Bo Bichette, who was, if, if healthy, he'd play, he can easily play all 162 games, even with somebody like Kevin Biggio. But that, you know, it's, it's another week of us talking about potentially criticizing Charlie Montoyo for this. You know, there's been so many other situations, like I said, bullpen starting pitcher, um, starting pitcher, you know, the way he handles it, um, the obsession with the computers, and then this week, it would be someone like Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has the second highest OPS on the team behind Teoscar Hernandez. Why is he hitting seventh in, a li- in the lineup? You know, I know I understand the factor of Charlie Montoya wanting to change things up. But if you want to change things up, you would figure that your best hitter, top two hitter, would be even higher in the lineup rather than moving him to the bottom three, you know, where he's hitting behind Travis Shaw. And then, you know, right after Gurriel is Joe Panic or Espinal at times or Jansen or Alejandro Kirk. It's just... Lots of questionable decisions there. But in terms of the Jays winning, you know, Jacob, going back to what you said about 10 minutes ago, you know, I'm sure they're mad. Like, I just wanted to add on to that. And, you know, I know you mentioned the Boston Celtics situation from a few days ago. And, you know, I I just personally disagree. I just don't think that's something you want to deal with in terms of people freaking out and altercations and being separated. And to be fair to everybody, too, is the, the media is not allowed in the clubhouses this year at all. So we really don't know what's going on, and I'm, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they're. Happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're upset. Like you know, I, it's not like they're laughing it off. You know, I believe today they had a players only meeting or a meeting all around discussing what's been going on. But you know, you 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 have to understand that it's not like they're just giving up. Like they're they're trying, and um, that's why I'm willing to you know see how the rest of the weekend plays out. At least you know, I, like I said, game two of yesterday's doubleheader was definitely a little bit more optimistic but um yeah it's just it's been a rough week all around emotions are high and just you did predict this team to make the playoffs so don't lose your word on that you were the one to get going. but yeah for Lourdes Gurriel Jr he needs to be hitting higher in the lineup uh, and um he shouldn't be hitting lower than what he you know is expected to be at in, in a lineup yeah and I mean yeah Lourdes Gurriel Jr isn't like the the prime suspect in this like yeah he hasn't always been this hot right he's but but he's hot this week he's hot right now he has four home runs in his last four games um including two or or last four games before yesterday's game including two in um Thursday's game if I'm not mistaken he um it was named AL player of the week like regardless of where he's hit before he should be hitting higher now 
You know, he's on fire. He's doing well. You should move him up in the lineup until he shows that he's not going to hit that well. So, and it's not just Lourdes Goriel Jr. I mean, I don't know if we want to really talk about this, but Derek Fisher, um, I, he's a, a whole other mess. Um, and uh, now he's placed on the injured list. Apparently, Matt Shoemaker hit him with a pitch during live batting practice, which I don't really think happened. I think the Blue Jays were just kind of looking for an excuse, but Derek Fisher is another guy who shouldn't have been in the lineup. He should not have been starting in that game against the Yankees. You know this series is the most important of the season, one of the most important of the season, um, except for maybe like, you know, the next series against the Yankees. And yet, Derek Fisher is starting. I, I don't understand it. Like, why is that happening? You need to put your best hitters out there to play the game against one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. At least that's what we thought heading into the season. So I don't understand that decision. I just want to play a clip from um, Jeff Blair on Baseball Central, who I think encapsulated this entire conversation very well um, in terms of Derek Fisher, in terms of Lourdes Goriel Jr. Like, what is happening here? So, uh, Take a listen. I'd like to know which computer program farted out the idea of Derek Fisher in right field at Yankee Stadium. I'd like to know which computer program just put Derek Fisher in right field. I, I don't think they'll DFA there 13, There's 13 games left. I bet he doesn't play the next 13 games. I unless, bet he does. That, unless they clinch a playoff spot last oh, no. five games this season, no. and he might play right I guarantee field, left field somewhere. You, we there. will see Derek Fisher because uh, C3PO, whatever the hell the name of the computer is, Fired it out, Derek Fisher in right yeah. field. Okay, so some colorful language there, but that it's like, why are the Blue Jays doing this? That's what I don't get, and that's what's so frustrating to me. But yeah, Derek Fisher, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on his uh, oh, yeah. horrible performance in right field. Well, you know, for a computer to fart out Derek Fisher in right field, you know, the numbers don't exactly support the idea of him playing in right field at all or anywhere in the outfield. Um, let me just start things off with, he has a defensive war of negative 0.6 right off the bat. So yeah, I just don't understand what, you know, what the computer decided to give them. But, you know, I know offensively his numbers are actually horrible this year. Uh, he does have an 811 OPS, but he also has only played in 16 games. And obviously his career numbers are way below that. But you know, Derek Fisher, right field in Yankee Stadium. And even if you want to be even more cautious, you can even argue that you would want somebody who's a better defender to play in the outfield. And, you know, there was many um, situations or, you know, other players who are arguably or are better than him in the outfield. And I, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jonathan Davis. Now, I know he hasn't played a lot this year, but he is he was arguably, even going back to the time when he was in Rochester, the best defensive fielder on the 60-man player pool. And that's what they've been that's what's been pretty much been people have been talking about, but Derek Fisher has been a complete atrocious uh, in the outfield in particular. Right field has been the worst for him, but uh, in 2020 he has you know I just his DRS is negative six as well. He's which means he's almost costed about six runs. We know what he did um, in Game One against the Yankees. Now I know we know or I know that um, it was one of the games this week where the Jays got, it was the game where they lost 20 to six. Now just, just remember the situation. Cause you guys definitely right off the back of your head. And just, re just remember it was one, nothing for the Jays. There was one out and Taiwan Walker was pitching. And let me just say his start ended with one earned run and he allowed six. So that just proves where everything kind of fell apart. 
So Derek Fisher misses the fly ball. And then he, there was another play where he kind of could have had it, but he didn't, you know, it was more going back to the other play before that, where he dropped the fly ball. Um, that's two outs right there or where the Jays come out leading one, nothing after the first inning. And when you want to compare that to what actually happened, it was pretty much six. I think it was six or seven, one after the, all because of that one play. Now with Derek Fisher too, it's, you know, I understand that Ross, you know, the, the Jays front office is, was high on him because again, he was who we got or who the team got for Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini last year. But, you know, it's not, exp- you know, what, what Jeff Blair said to that, I wouldn't be surprised you see him this year. I completely agree with you just because the team is also, this is one of the people that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro were so high on at the time or thought he was an absolute steal, you know, so on and so on, or how much potential he had, you know, wasn't it maybe another Teoscar Hernandez situation where he didn't have enough playing time or no playing time in Houston and he comes over to Toronto and he gets all the playing time and all the opportunity to play. And so far he's been nothing but a complete, atrocious you know even going back to last year when he showed up here I, I don't even know if you guys remember but within the first three or four games in Baltimore last year he took a fly ball off the head I think it might have been might have been the. I think it was his first I think, play yeah. that actually went to him yeah I think it might have been the first play as a J or his but he took a fly ball off the head and you know there's just been so many signs that have pointed to him not being a good defender and you know I don't think he's worth the guy to DH as well so when you come to terms with it, there has to be better options to play on your roster. And, you know, it is a little suspicious how he Matt Shoemaker hit him during a simulated game um, the next day during batting practice. But whatever it is, uh, for a team that's at this point limping into the playoffs or in terms of the way they've been playing, not because of their health or anything like that, Derek Fisher cannot see one at-bat in the playoffs if this team actually wants to try and win games. I think... Those, those two plays in Yankee Stadium pretty much said it said enough. And even going back later in the game, I think he even there was a there was a single that went to him and he even fluffed that, but it didn't cost anything. It just he was completely rattled. Um he was completely rattled. And I think what we've experienced, even going like I said, even going back to last year, it's not like last year he was good either, because he wasn't. The numbers are there to show you. His career numbers are there to show you. His defensive runs, his war, everything just shows to you that he is not a good fielder. Um, he cannot see the field again in this year. He can't, or else I just don't understand how this team is taking themselves seriously to try and win playoff rounds and go deep on a playoff run. You know, in all due respect to Derek Fisher, I hope that's a lot playing this year for them. Now, I don't know what his future holds. I know people were kind of calling for him to be DFA'd mid-game, which would have been interesting to see. But of course, you can't do that in a seven. You you can't do that when it was already a blowout. Um I think the the right thing to do, which they did, was leave him in there. But I just don't understand. I don't see a future with him on this team. And maybe he comes in next spring and plays better. But in terms of this year alone, he cannot be playing another game for them. I Unfortunately, I have to agree. And I say unfortunately because I do feel bad for Derek Fisher. Because it's just, you, you, you never want to see somebody struggle. Especially somebody with such a public presence struggle. You know, and... I think, unfortunately, he's taking a lot of heat. I think people should dial it down a little bit. I don't think that they should be... Personally, I don't think he's responsible for the loss. I think he's part of the reason the Blue Jays lost 20-6, to but I... I I just... Remember, just to... I know it's hard to... Just remember, like I said, if he makes those two catches, or at least one of those two catches, the Jays are getting out of that inning in the lead 1-0. Now, I know you can't predict what happens after the rest, but... 
we all know the first inning is where it started. So that's that's the only thing that you have to remember when you're saying that because everything changed after that play. I, th- I no, I agree. I I think the, the one thing that I thought about is the fact like uh, where was I, I believe. Uh, yeah, first of all, they should have been out of the inning. I'm not going to dispute that at all. But w- when you look at at what happened there, Taiwan Walker. If I'm look, if I'm Taiwan Walker, I'm saying okay, my ERA didn't get absolutely destroyed, you know. But I'm still looking at it, saying I allowed what was it, two home runs on back to back pitches, and Shun Yamaguchi, he was he was terrible. I think he had. Four walks, a wild pitch, a balk, and I think two hit batters. And I, look, I'm just saying it from the perspective of if I'm a Blue Jays fan, I am very concerned if I'm looking at that bullpen. Derek Fisher, unfortunately, look, I'm sorry to say this, you're not seeing another inning, regardless of what happens. I, 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 I feel so bad saying that, but I really do, like you got to put the best players on the field, and right now. And I mean, since he's been on the blue, with the Blue Jays, he just has not been one of their best players. And it's just, it's it's tough. I mean, especially coming from the Sanchez trade, you know, when you trade a guy that you were so high on, like Aaron Sanchez, you're obviously not just going to say, eh, he, he's a bust already. You, you want to give him a bit more time. But at the same time, this isn't 2019 where you're like 30 games under 500 and it doesn't really matter to a to an extent your record you, right now especially going back to that uh game they were second place second place in the east and they were in a playoff race against the team playing a game against the team that they were ahead of and you just you cannot do that and one thing that was interesting Bryson you said that the Blue Jays were limping into the playoffs and I don't know why I thought of this but when I looked at the September from 2016 if you don't if you guys remember they were they were bad in September 2016 obviously they did go to the to the championship series but don't remind me of Andrew Miller please don't do oh not Lord. please don't nah, but, but I'm looking at their schedule and the the biggest win streak that they had in 2016 September was three but then you see you know four straight losses you know loss after you know Loss after loss, you know, every time there was a win, it seemed to be followed by a couple losses. And I mean, I'm not saying the 2016 Blue Jays are remotely similar to the 2020 Blue Jays, but I don't know. It's just something to point out. Maybe it's, you know, who knows? Maybe they, they kind of expected to make the playoffs and, you know, mentally they're just like, yeah, okay, well, we can make the playoffs so we don't need to play as hard. I, I, I honestly highly doubt that. I just... I don't know. I thought it was interesting that they're kind of in a similar situation as they were in 2016, whereas like the last uh, 30 games of the season, in this case, it was the last uh, 20, I don't remember, something similar, but it's just they're, if they make the playoffs, which I still think is likely because of the fact that the Mariners are uh, multiple games below them, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, they're kind of in a similar situation as they were the last time they made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to make the postseason. Like, they have a 95% shot still of making the postseason after losing five in a row, including to their division rivals. Like, it, 
to me, it is guaranteed. Like, there's nothing that could happen. Even if, you know, the Angels have a very similar record to the Mariners, and the Angels are, like, half a game behind the Mariners, I think, in this race for the wild card spot. Even if the Angels, who have won two in a row, manage to somehow, you know, win all of their following games, I think the odds are pretty slim with a magic number of six that the Blue Jays fall out of the postseason, but still very, very frustrating to watch these games. And again, we're talking about Derek Fisher and Lourdes Goriel Jr. in the lineup construction, but I mean, really, I think the frustrations and the reasons that the Blue Jays lost is the bullpen and the starting pitching. Like, there's no denying that, you know, Chase Anderson comes out, gives up three home runs back to back to back on three pitches. You know, they, the Blue Jays give up five home runs in one inning to tie a major league record. 19 home runs in a three-game series to set a major league record. Not only set it, but blow past the previous record of 16 home runs in a three-game series. Like, it's... It, 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 who If Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is hitting third, the Blue Jays are still losing. Like, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hitting third is not going to score the Blue Jays 14 runs in their game against the Yankees. So... Like, we can we can complain all we want, but it it's really the pitching that's been worn down. And, you know, I don't want to <laughs> claim victory or, you know, uh, being morally right after the conversations we've had previously. But we've talked time and time again about removing pitchers after the fifth inning and not sending them out for a third time through the order. And we've warned of a a bullpen collapse because you're overworking the bullpen and you can only go so long with giving relievers this many innings. And here it is, I think. You know, we're seeing this week the product of weeks and months of uh, of bullpen misuse, of over-reliance on the guys coming out of the bullpen. So it's... Yeah, I, we can complain about the hitting all we want, but it's really the bullpen and the bullpen problems go back to having the pitch four and five innings every single game, which is unsustainable. And it makes no sense to take a guy like Hyun Jin Ryu out of the game after five innings when you know you need more innings out of him. We'll see how deep he goes today. But yeah, it's this was predictable, I think. Yeah, and the one thing I wanted to ask you guys too was, it was more, it's more of, um, you know, I'm not trying to, it's not a, shame Charlie Montoyo podcast but this is kind of that's been throughout the league now you know going back to the computers and everything I wanted to know what were your thoughts on what happened a few days ago um with Julian Merriweather opening the game and then someone like Chase Anderson who has to come into the game you know in a situation where like the bases are loaded or he's already losing you know just the whole mindset already is you know, he's already thrown off because I guess he has to wait in the bullpen for a few innings rather than start, which he's supposed to. But, you know, like, what are your thoughts on this opener thing that the Jays are doing? And do you like, do you guys are, are you guys in favor, of, you know, lasting for the future, or maybe a few more times this season before the playoffs or maybe even a playoff game, which is kind of scary to think about? I, I'm going to be honest. I think it's not even just for the Blue Jays. I think it's here to stay in baseball. You're seeing a lot of teams start to to do this and do I think it should happen this year? Absolutely not. Not when you're you, you can't rely on a bullpen to cover a full day, but then cover half of the games for the next 4 days. Like that that's just like you said, it's completely unsustainable. But who knows? Maybe maybe the Blue Jays say uh, Anthony K, Thomas Hatch, you two or, you know, what Chase Anderson, however they want to do it, they say you guys are going to be 
our fifth starter and you know they're gonna use them however they see fit or if they have to use one of them in a regular non-bullpen day they could and then just not have him for that bullpen day but I don't know I feel like it, it probably is here to stay just because it's just something that's evolving with baseball and I think it's it's interesting I mean the Blue Jays have always kind of done weird things you saw in 2016 when they had six starters now I mean they have I don't even know if you can call, say four because you know a lot of their guys have not even been pitching more than five games which is or five innings which is how many innings you need to pitch in order to qualify for a a victory if your team wins but I, I don't know I I, I kind of like it I mean I, I can't say I dislike it or like it really it's just kind of it's it's a thing that happens and you know if the Blue Jays win then great but I think yeah teams are definitely going to say well why do we need five starters when we can just have other bullpen guys who you know if we have three or four guys that we want to designate for game five uh, you know we could we have the option to then use then use that one of them or two of them if if need be because let's face it unless it's game seven of the World Series Hunjin Ryu I mean he'd probably be starting that game but if he wasn't starting that game then unless it was that situation he's not pitching you know so I I think maybe just having more options and more flexibility with your pitchers is a good idea and something that I'm welcoming to but if you're gonna do that then you ha- you have to rely on your starters a little bit more than Charlie Montoya has been doing. But I, overall, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I I like it. I mean, the opener makes sense logically. The most important point in a game is going to be when it's tied. That's when, you know, any single run scored by either team adds the most probability to their win during the entire game. So it makes sense to put a, you know, your best pitcher out there when the game is tied and as soon as one of the teams scores a run, take them out and put in another pitcher who can go, you know, three, four innings of what we're calling the bulk guy, I guess now, in baseball. Um, it it makes sense logically. Um, I don't know how it works for the Blue Jays. They seem to struggle with it and it seems to kind of be a crutch they rely on in situations when their pitching is already weakened not a strategy that they fall back to and, and roll out consistently even when they're doing well. Um, so that's a concern I have with it, I guess. But it makes sense, especially with the way the postseason is working this year. MLB announced the postseason schedule and the th- there's going to be very few off days um, because teams are not traveling. Um, you don't have to allow time for that. There's going to be more of a bubble atmosphere. The bubble. Yeah, <laughs> the bubble is coming back. <laughs> Um, so, so I, I think it makes sense, especially in this situation with a few off days to, you know, just kind of, I I guess, roll with a, a a small rotation or lots of bulk guys, or, I mean, at this point, the Blue Jays are practically going with like a 15 man bullpen and no starting rotation. Um, but that seems to be the, the working strategy for the postseason. So, I mean, it's not working for the Blue Jays, but. I, I think the possibility of an opener in the postseason, it doesn't really bother me. I think it I think it's good strategy. But speaking of the postseason, um, I guess we can wrap up our discussion today about, I guess, the implications or the satisfaction of the Blue Jays making the postseason. Because at this point for me, I, I mean, you guys know I've always had concerns about the expanded postseason picture. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of it, but... 
as the season wore on and the Blue Jays were competing and all their games were super exciting, I kind of, I, I approved of it. I liked it. It made things really exciting. Um, but now after the Blue Jays have lost five straight, been outscored something like 50 to 15 have made, as we've talked about previously, all these stupid mistakes, all these stupid managerial mistakes. I, it, I, (laughs) I, I don't, it just, it doesn't feel like right. It just, it doesn't feel like I'm going to be happy with the outcome at all. I guess. Like, I think the Blue Jays are going to make it to the postseason. They're going to get knocked out in the first round by the White Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays, whoever gets a top seed. And that's going to be it. And, and I don't know how, like, we're going to watch two exciting games that the Blue Jays are probably going to lose by a lot. And that, that's it. like, it feels kind of sad to just be in it for two games, get blown out probably and, and be done with it. So I don't know how I feel about the expanded postseason after the last week. Yeah. Um, well, it, you know, I guess if you want to be more optimistic, you know, that played relatively well this season against the Rays. I know what you mean in terms and record you know it just doesn't feel like in in other words it just doesn't feel like you kind of belong there or you don't deserve it but you know the whole idea which is why i'm still on board with it and you guys know the expanded playoffs is that you know it get, it just it creates more of a competitive atmosphere for teams who are on the bubble of in terms of competing like a, this is a different type of bubble but you know what i mean in terms of competing um, it gets people more interested and then in terms of a regular season with normal like fans it would get more people going out to games. It just I feel like it'd get more popularity out. And instead of seeing the typical four teams every year, like the Astros, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, um, you're seeing other teams that could potentially go on, you know, maybe more of a Cinderella run story. We don't see it in baseball because of the shortened playoff uh, structure they used to have, which was, I think it was 10 teams. It might have been 12. I don't even know for sure. But, you know, in compared to that, um, they, they now have expanded playoffs of 16 teams, which is over half the league. And it just creates more of a competitive drive. But for, if you were to tell me last year that you would ever see a team at below 500 at the worst get into the playoffs, uh, I would have I would have called you crazy. Because first of all, uh, I know the Jays are the last seed right now in the American League. They are one game above 500, and even if the Jays finish the rest of the way out below 500, and they're likely still going to get in, there's a chance they get in when they're below 500. The Cincinnati Reds are the the eighth seed in the National League right now. They're at 26 and 26. So teams below 500 actually might get into the playoffs. And it's just something to um, to wonder about. It's just, you know, just because of how odd that would sound if you, if we, the baseball playoff structure would, you know, wouldn't have been expanded just because, you know, for, we all know the whole um, excitement behind a pennant race and scoreboard watching in September standings. And, you know, I guess you can understand why. Um, it's just... You know, I it, um, the way the Jays have played as well, it obviously has a factor in your decision, like or your opinion, like you said, Mark. Because before that, you were starting to warm up to it a little bit more, but it just gives me you go, it gives you more. You know, it just feels like it it branches out to more teams that you could potentially get behind. And like I said, it creates the chance of a Cinderella run coming because you know we've seen we do see it in other sports uh, in the other three sports because their playoffs are a lot bigger than baseballs. And now you might be able to see it in baseball. You know, who's to say the Jays don't go on a Cinderella run themselves. You can't rule it out. Uh, but the way they've been playing, it'd be hard to even imagine they can get one playoff win right now, just because of what's been going on with the team. But you know, you can't rule it out. The, uh, the Jays have 
beaten the Rays a few times this year, like I said. So it's not like the Rays have destroyed them every game um, compared to a team like the Yankees. And it's actually, even when you think about it, it's even more scary that the Jays have to play the Yankees again next week. And they have to go up against Garrett Cole. And um, I think it's Masahiro Tanaka again. But even the name Garrett Cole scares you. And it's just... Who knows what that's going to come or that's going to bring, but let's just get through the uh, weekend first in Philadelphia. But um, in terms of that, I, I still don't think so. I, I still think that making the playoffs this year, no matter what seed you're in, I think it's deserving just because when you want to think about it with the Jays standpoint, look at the teams behind them. And, the, you know, the next best record behind the Jays record is the Seattle Mariners who are 22 and 29. But it just the expanded playoffs, I think, is something that's it's been in the works for a while, even before. Um, the pandemic came we knew it was in the plans. I believe we actually had a whole topic about our discussion about it one day last winter, but it's, you know, in a, in a season like this, for sure, it was, you know, you, there was no, it was not a loss experiment with it. And now that Rob Manfred came out this week and said, it's likely here to stay, um, which is kind of, which was predictable. Uh, you know, it's time to get used to it. Uh, I don't know if maybe they've, they restructure a little bit more in terms of, how you want to seed the teams, but or maybe restructure the whole division alignment. Who knows what could be coming? Because you can't rule that out either. But you know, it, it's just it's more exciting. It just the expanded playoffs get more people involved and invested in their team, even if they're not, you know, even if they don't deserve to be there. There's always those few teams in other sports that don't deserve to be there who are, you know, the seventh, eighth seed, maybe sixth seed. And so there's teams like that that have gone on Cinderella runs. So you can't rule it out in terms of a Jay Cinderella run, especially in um especially in the MLB bubble, which I'm so excited for. Yeah. I, I, do I think the Blue Jays deserve a playoff spot after this week? Absolutely not. But I think overall expanded playoffs had to happen because, uh, you know, yeah, the Blue Jays were not good ever uh, from 2017 to 2019. But there have been many teams that have, you know, been on the cusp of making the playoffs, but didn't just because of, you know, they didn't get first in their division or, you know, the other second place team was like one or two games ahead of them. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of uh, the Leafs and the Raptors. And in those two leagues, I believe it's 16 teams for both of them, actually, also. I know the NBA, yeah. So it's just, especially even this year with the NBA or the uh, the NHL, how they had a play-in round where they had 24 teams. We saw the, the two uh top seeds out of the top four teams so the fifth seed get knocked out by the 12th seed which is kind of funny but uh it's just, overall I think it has to happen you know it, if e- even for the Cinderella stories I do agree it, it is you know definitely funny to see when you know the Montreal Canadiens this year uh what was it the Pittsburgh Penguins I believe they beat them in three games or four games whatever it was they everyone didn't expect that but it's just even aside from that if you're a team that is good but just unfortunately, because of the way the things work, you're not, you know, top tier. It's, you don't make the playoffs. And I, I'd, I'd really didn't like that. And I haven't liked that for a while. Well, really ever since I watched baseball, uh, but especially, you know, as I've, when, once I kind of transitioned from just like a casual fan who just watched the games to somebody who, you know, actually pays attention to stats and everything, I've come to realize that there, you know, there are a lot of teams that have missed out. I think I've said this, the Tampa Bay Rays is a, have and even the Seattle Mariners, they've had a few seasons uh, within the last couple of years where they were only a few games out of it, and they easily could have made the playoffs, or they would have made the playoffs in this format, but they've just not made it because obviously with the Mariners or the uh, with the Rays, 
the Yankees and the Red Sox were good for a while, but or especially the the Red Sox, even though they've kind of fallen off. But I don't know. I th- it's definitely something that had to happen. I've said this before, where Rob Manfred wants to do all these things to kind of make the games faster and more exciting. Uh, I think the number one thing to make a game more exciting is to actually put some meaning into the game. And you know, if you win this, then you have a two game lead over your your division rival or you know whatever it is. And I think that definitely makes it more fun. And hey, look at look at the Blue Jays. You know, they uh, obviously they've fallen off, or at least this week they did. But if this was a regular year, I don't think they would have actually been in the playoffs because they were the eighth seed and. Yeah, just, no, they wouldn't be. Yeah, it's just we wouldn't even have been as entertained as we are this year. And it's just I, I, I think the the baseball, major league baseball, has to has to let more mediocre or you know middle of the pack teams get into the playoffs. Because even if yeah, like let's face it, the Blue Jays are probably going to lose in two games, maybe three. But it's you know if they do well for the next week, then I feel like it'll be more of a fun ending to the season, even if they lose. But if they just still do bad, then, you know, it's not as fun. But it's just, it makes the, it makes your season more fun when you're able to watch your team, you know, actually compete. And even if they are a few games over 500, you know, they still can qualify for the playoffs because, you know, like I've said, it's just the Blue Jays don't deserve to make the playoffs right now. But overall, you can't sit, if you're Rob Manfred, you can't say, well, our sport is dying, but then only allow a third of the, the league to qualify for the playoffs. And it's definitely something I'm welcoming to. I mean, hey, it puts more games on. So even if the Blue Jays are out, there's more things than I can watch when I'm supposed to be doing homework. But that's another story. Uh, but overall, it's just, it, it's a fun thing. I'm happy that it's happening. And I'm praying to praying to whoever it has to be to that this stays because it's just... It's something that I've wanted for so long, and I'm happy that it's it's at least happen it's at least happening this year. Well, I'm outvoted, but I it gives the Blue Jays a chance at Look least. At you know, that. in a three game series, anything can happen. Hey, they won nine straight series, won or tied nine straight series. So, you know, who knows? They can win one in the postseason. Sure. Um, but. Yeah, it definitely gives the Blue Jays a shot. So I think we'll wrap things up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode as um, depressing as it can be, talking about the Blue Jays right now. Thank you to Bryson and Jacob for joining me on this podcast. And again, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Section138Pod. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.